I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. FBI Radio recommends listening by an immature audience. The coalition have postponed company tax cuts until they can rename trickle-down economics to pissing on poor people economics. And former Trump aide George Papadopoulos will go for sentencing for lying to the FBI. He could face six months jail time or be forced to drink another bottle of wine with Alexander Downer. And the Gold Coast is getting ready for the Logies by preparing spray tans, booze and cocaine. Or as they call it in Sydney, the Gold Coast. This is Irrational Fear! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rational Fear. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Our first guest is the wingman of woke, the devil's advocate of diversity, once dubbed to play a young Tony Martin in a feature film that never got up. It is Lewis Hummer. Oh, this has been a big month for you. It's been your birthday month. Hey, it was my birthday two weeks ago. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, obviously, uh, because I work for the National Youth Broadcaster, it is another 24th birthday for me. <laughs> very thrilled. Uh, yeah, although, actually, I'm not going to say how old I really am because recently, this is a true story, there are a bunch of, like, uh, trolls who listen to Triple J who keep changing my birth date on my Wikipedia page. And then they what, come... What are you now? I'm, like, 371 at the moment. Well, that'll confuse Michelle Guthrie. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is a person who cares about the details so much that even Australian senators have to hide behind whiteboards to avoid being asked if they broke democracy. It's the buster of bullshit. It's the butcher of bu- Feed. It's Alice Workman. Hello, thank you for having me. Alice, where are we at with Michaelia Cash? Has she answered your question yet? How many days has it been? Uh, well, I've been taken off her media lists, uh, but thankfully there are people nice enough in the press gallery that give me the two-minute notice that she gives them. They give it to me, uh, and so I end up going to her press conferences anyway. I walked past her this week, and honestly it was like 
the biggest comic double take her press secretary took to try and shield her from me whilst doing this like death stare as she followed me as, as if she was trying to like project some kind of force field between us. I mean, I just said, hello, Senator. You should walk around the press gallery with a, with a slide whistle. <laughs> Every time you see her. Yeah, well, well, I think she'd prefer if I wore a bell like a cat. Um... I'll just hold up a giant whiteboard behind her and go, upside down, upside down. <laughs> Our next fearmonger for tonight is such a hardcore journalist that after she worked her ass off diving through millions of documents of the Panama Papers that revealed how thousands of rich and powerful people were stealing and hoarding insane amounts of wealth, nothing happened. <laughs> but she did get a Pulitzer Prize. It's Alan Sabrina! <laughs> what are you talking about? A Prime Minister re resigned after that. Oh, which one? From Iceland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the important prime ministers. The only country with any sense of shame. <laughs> now, you've worked in America for the last little bit, um, breaking the hugest of stories. What is it like to be back home in Australia? It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I actually brought along a Barbie. She's down there. She's on the floor. Um, it's terrible being at the ABC in this time of uh, utter... We're being monitored, you know. We're being watched. It's really, really hard. Which to is be unusual for the ABC. No one I know, used to watch exactly, it. Exactly right. <laughs> for many years. So I brought the Barbie along. Jared um, Henderson monitors our show very closely. I work on a show called Tonightly, and every week he writes a little, uh, a, a little article in his. I was going to say a blog in his newspaper, <laughs> where he counts the numbers of fucks we say. <laughs> Seriously, how many did you say last night? I can't remember. Anyway, if anyone from Senate Estimates um, asks the Barbie, analysis Barbie was talking tonight, it was not me. I am not allowed to have any opinions mm. on anything. Thank you. Nothing but at all. Zero opinions. That's what this show is all about. And Jared Henderson, if you're listening, stop counting the amount of fucks we say and start listening to the amount of fucks we give. <laughs> Our final fear monger for tonight started out doing podcasts with Irrational Fear and now she's in demand all around the world for her professional podcast prowess. She's only in Australia for about 72 hours and 10 of those are dedicated to podcasting. Please <laughs> welcome back to Spread the Fear. It's Alice Fraser. <laughs> How many podcasts have you been a professional guest on this year, Alice? It depends if by professional you mean getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> I know Alice's, Alice's agent is in the audience tonight, so that's very awkward for me. And I'm your host, Dan Illick, and welcome to Irrational Fear. Live from Giant Wall. Irrational Fear. Your fear now, is rational. This is the show that tells you what you should really be scared of, and the top three fears this month are number three. Despite signing a promise to denuclearize just a few weeks ago, North Korea appears to be rapidly upgrading its nuclear weapons facility. A spokesperson for the Hermit Kimding said, Uh, yeah, have you seen the other guy? We're not fucking stupid. <laughs> so, guys, what are North Korea playing at here? What's their game? Alice? I mean, you just call them a Hermit Kingdom. North Korea counts as a Hermit Kingdom if it's the kind of hermit that keeps body parts in the shed. <laughs> I think it's just like a North Korean version of the block. They're just like, let's see what nuclear structure Kim Jong Steve has built today. <laughs> Who do you think was the winner out of this North Korean US summit? Who kind of won there? Definitely Kim. I would say both of them. Really? Um, only because uh, Donald Trump needs uh, credibility. Uh, and needs to be seen as an authoritative leader that can actually get things done. To get the meeting in the first place, I think he took as the big achievement. But then uh, to get the meeting and to get something signed the same day, he took as a win. Oh, but, but, but it but didn't like, work. No, 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 of course it didn't work. No, no, of course it didn't work. But that, I'm sure that he can blame someone else for that, though. 
I think the biggest winner was Dennis Rodman. Uh, <laughs> Clearly Dennis. Just so good to see Dennis back in the game. I was really upset with Dennis Rodman because he did this interview on CNN where... Uh, well, maybe I was more upset at CNN. The CNN anchor said to him, so can he even speak English? And I thought, <laughs> the guy, the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, was educated in Switzerland. He went to a private boarding school. He can speak five or six languages. At least we know he speaks French or German. Yeah. <laughs> but well, can I he mean... speak Dennis Rodman? Because <laughs> well, yeah. That is a language that a lot of us have been struggling with. To be fair, Dennis Rodman can't speak Dennis Rodman. <laughs> that man is a mystery to himself. I mean, Dennis Rodman doesn't get invited to be in the room for the signing. He doesn't get to be there in the hotel. It's hard to understand, like, why he was actually there. From as far as I can tell, he got off the plane wearing some guy's uh, initial coin offering T-shirt to, to publicise some kind of cryptocurrency. No, it was and a marijuana cryptocurrency. It's a weed-based yeah. cryptocurrency, yeah. But it's also swag. He just, like, adds swag to, to Trump's little entourage, you know? What's the end game for America, do you think? What's, like, the, the final... The Armageddon. Final... <laughs> World peace, I was going to say. <laughs> Fear number two, with immigrants being detained in inhumane circumstances, children being separated from their parents and being held in cages, and politicians being physically abused in the street, it's finally happening. America is turning into Australia. Uh, so what can America learn from Australia, folks? Well, I think the biggest thing that we learned was that people don't care if you treat adults badly, but they really care if you keep treat children badly and separate them from their families. So one of the things that the Abbott government did, uh, despite having really harsh border security laws, was they took all the children out of detention. But they kept all the adults in there. So I think that that's the... And then America learnt that very quickly because Donald Trump, no matter how hard he tried, eventually well, reneged and... and all the families back together. America learned that lesson even better because the thing about uh, Australia taking the children out of detention was that they put them in detention in the first place. Mm. The America well, the, just speeded up the, that. The kids in America were put in a, were in a very similar type of detention, although from the footage that I saw, they were better conditions, but still detention-like. Still cages. Yeah. Definitely cages. Yeah. I, I think they could learn about islands. I mean, <laughs> why not send them to Puerto Rico or Guam or even Hawaii? I mean, we, we do island detention really well, and I think they could learn that from us. Certainly Puerto Rico should be pitching this to the United States. Right. Maybe I mean, it's economically some... very viable for them right now. They can get some new they... electricity, some new roads and some buildings built. In they could also place. learn about turnbacks. Maybe at the border they should put in a roundabout and just turn all the cars back <laughs> um, because that's, you know, obviously worked for us with boats. Very on, the, on the river, just turn it, Rio Grande back the other way. It really kind of annoyed me when Colbert did a piece to camera about this and he said, we're the only country that is this cruel to refugees. And I was at home going, no, no you're not. not. No, no, we're crueler. We're crueler. But it should be noted that the audience was awing, not for refugees, but for the beer that got spilt. Dan, that's, that's also my beer. Which beer. proves my point about you scoundrels. That was mine. No, that was, that was your beer. I don't care. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we had uh, someone uh, commit suicide on Manus Island recently, and I uh, wrote a story recently about a two-year-old uh, girl who was uh, severely sick. She was sick to the point where they had to drill a hole through her bones to get an IV into her and put the IV into the marrow because she was so unwell they couldn't put an IV into her bloodstream. And Australia just flat-out refused to send her 
to, to Australia to get the treatment she needed in a proper paediatric wing because they wanted to fly her to PNG where there wasn't the proper facilities. But that's how, that's Border Force's fear. They said to the family, well, we're convinced that if you come to Australia that you'll, you'll run away and, and you'll live here illegally. And, and that's their the two kind year of no-tolerance policy. Yeah, what do you think you are, a Commonwealth Games athlete? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that well, another thing that America have lagged on us is, is turning their um, customs into a television show. I feel like, how are we ahead of them on that? <laughs> what would you think John Howard's advice would be to Donald Trump right now? Don't let a credible journalist run against you. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only way he lost his seat was because Maxine McHugh ran against him. Mm. Uh, you know, they still run these same border policies. And fear number one. This week, a mysterious new force was unveiled. It was called BDE, or Big Dick Energy. Uh, it's one of the most important discoveries by the Large Hadron Collider, I believe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So tell me, guys, what is BDE? What is Big Dick Energy? Alice Brennan. Dennis Rodman has it. <laughs> Donald Trump also has it. No. 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 Oh, yes, no. he does. No. Wait, not, no, no, he does not all like credibility. It, Give me your it. Pulitzer. No. <laughs> Maybe we should ask the millennial broadcaster, Lewis Hobber. No, way. Well, he is like the prime example of small hands energy. He, he is the absolute He may have small hands, but he has BDE. I, he you know, definitely has BDE. For the old people in the audience, we really need to describe what it is. What is BDE? Swag. So it was started with a little, a beautiful little crazy couple. Couple of kids by the name of Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. Uh, now they are engaged. Ariana Grande, a 25 year old pop songstress, a songbird, a goddamn delight. Pete Davidson, a comedian. A man on SNL with sunken eyes and big teeth. How did they get together? It's hard to say, but they're both crazy. And you know what? In this world, love is love and let's let it live. <laughs> God damn it. But it was a very mysterious thing because no one could figure out why Pete Davidson, a weird looking comedian, would, would be able to date Ariana Grande, one of the hottest people in the world. And then someone came up with a theory that Pete Davidson has big dick energy. And then Ariana Grande, his now fiance, confirmed it by saying he is packing a mean 10 inches. And everyone was like, I fucking knew it. I fucking knew the guy had BDE. And now the whole thing has spiralled from there, people being able to go, if you just have the quiet confidence of a man that you could insult, you could look in the eye and be like, I will, I will fucking sleep with your wife. And they could look back in your eye and go, I don't care. That person has BDE. But it's also not gendered. Correct. Women can definitely have BDE. Like shirt, 100%. shirt, massive. Madonna, BDE. Huge. And someone said to me... Rihanna, BDE. Or someone Correct. said to me, Penny Wong. Yeah. Definite BDE. Yeah, strong. Anyone, yeah. Strong BDE. But as I was trying to wrap my head around this today, I saw a tweet suggesting that Chris Kenny had big DE. No. You need BDE to sue the national broadcaster over a Photoshop joke. We should ask, yeah. Someone big, should ask the dog. dog they could tell you. Yeah. Oh, come on. He's already sued. Double jeopardy, right? You can't get sued twice. <laughs> You're listening to Irrational Fear, the only podcast guaranteed to stop the trickle-down effect. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, Alice Workman. Yeah! Um, am I waiting for the music? Oh, sorry. I've never done this before. Um, I, uh, I was a bit of a loss about, about what to talk about today because um, I... 
political comedy hits a bit too close to home for me at the moment because politics is so broken and um, just terrible and it makes me, democracy makes me really sad. Uh, so I thought um, I'd tell a true story uh, that I hope no one here has heard um, before of something that happened in Parliament last year. Um, it was a really busy week. Uh, the Deputy Prime Minister announced he was a Kiwi. Uh, and that he was going to refer himself to the High Court. Um, of course, this was before we knew about the Vicky Campion situation, but mathematically, about the time the seed was sown for that baby to be born. So just keep that in mind. Now, cut to Thursday the 17th of August 2017. Tasmanian Green Senator Peter Wish-Wilson was running late to question time. Now, if you're not familiar with this man, all you need to know uh, is that he is a tall, bearded fellow that likes a vest from Tasmania. Uh, his Twitter handle is uh, Senator Surfer. He puts out a calendar every year of his favourite walks in Tasmania uh, and his favourite recipes as well. Um, but also, he's a former merchant banker that owns a vineyard. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, now, he was walking through the corridors of Parliament House when he saw a woman in a full black dress and burqa being followed around by five really big security guards. Uh, and his initial reaction was anger. He was angry, he was frustrated. He thought, why are these big burly blokes following a woman in a, in a burqa? She's allowed to wear that in here. You know, why are they harassing her? And he thought immediately, she must be a protester. Because I don't know if you remember, but in 2014, uh, when a woman uh, famous for a, more of a flight than any of the political work she did, Bronwyn Bishop, was the speaker. She tried to ban burqas from Parliament House. She, in fact, tried to segregate people wearing burqas or hijabs, and instead of letting them sit in the public gallery, which is just above the chamber, she tried to make them sit in a, a gallery that's behind the glass. So she was trying to enforce segregation uh, in the building. Unfortunately for her, it didn't work out. But, you know, you've got to keep in mind that this was a time when uh, the Charlottesville riots were happening in the US. Literal Nazis were walking the streets. So Peter Bush Wilson was like, no, this is 2017. This is Australia. I won't stand for this. Uh, you know, and I'm a really woke guy, so I can get involved. <laughs> so he decided to uh, go to the protesters' aid and make sure the security guards weren't hassling her and ask if she needed his help. Um, uh, yeah, so he wanted to show that he was in solidarity with her coming in. So he approached the woman in the burqa and said, good on you. And he put his hand out and shook her hand. Now, she said nothing in reply to him, but continued to be what he thought hustled along by the security guards. So he ran into the Senate to get Nick McKim, who is the Greens' uh, fellow Tasmanian senator for, and spokesperson for immigration, and he said, Nick, there's a woman outside. She's being harassed by the security guards. I'm thinking they're trying to, like, hustle her out of the building. This is outrageous. We can't stand for this. And then as they got up to walk out of the Senate, the woman in the burqa walked past them quietly went down, sat down, and then slowly revealed the smug face of Pauline Hanson. Now... Behind <laughs> you! <laughs> yeah, it, and it was like a pantomime. I was in the room at the time. Um, no one goes to Senate question time except for me. And so it was quite... <laughs> I mean, and normally nothing happens, to be fair. Uh, and it's, I usually use it to catch up on my emails. But, um, uh, but yeah, when she walked in, there was a hush that went over the room. Um, and... Uh, I remember people were gasping and a lot of people were saying, what the hell, and like visibly showing that they didn't know what was going on and expressing some kind of 
They knew who it was. So they were expressing some kind of disgust, not at the burqa, but at the stunt itself. Now, of course, you know, the One Nation senators behind her were kind of cackling like hyenas from The Lion King following Scar, which was, you know, just a really weird moment in itself. Um, Pauline Hanson uh, said the whole reason behind it was that uh, it was part of their push to ban the burqa. She said that the burqas were confronting and they were un-Australian and she wanted to highlight the national security issue that you can go somewhere in a burqa and no one can know your identity. And, of course, she linked it to terrorism, uh, which is in fact ridiculous. Um, she well, later tried to she claim... Is, she is a terrorist. She is. <laughs> She's ruining us. Well, she later tried to claim that... Uh, to, uh, to, to mount her case, that when she... Uh, when the security guards turned up to escort her from her office, no one asked her for her identity and no one saw her face. But in actual fact, it came out later that News Corp were in her office taking photos of her in the burqa when security walked in. What? So was, they, she, was she doing a calendar? <laughs> she was, it's, the, it's the front page of her book, uh, which I recommend you don't read. Um, uh, now, uh, the biggest complaint, unfortunately, from the whole circumstance from Pauline Hanson was that uh, Peter Wish Wilson is a man that has never deemed to speak to her before and has never shaken her hand when she's wearing her normal Pauline Hanson mask. Um, and so she, 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 she apparently found that really upsetting. Um, I don't know why. Uh, What's a girl got to do to get a guy's <laughs> yeah. attention? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the reason I wanted to tell this story is because this podcast is about fears, rational and irrational. And, you know, I think a lot of Australians have some very uh, rational, uh, irrational fears, sorry, about terrorism, but some very rational fears about both One Nation and the Greens. And this story illustrates that. Alice Workman. So did, do we think this is actually a good thing? Is it a good thing that our politicians are so woke? Well, I actually remember um, when it happened, I... Um, I, fe- I, I actually kind of, it's hard to, I, I can't express it in words. I felt sick and I felt, um, and not because of the burqa, because of what she was doing. It made me really upset and anxious at the idea that we had lost control of our political system. Mm. Uh, and this was after Trump had been elected and we, I felt kind of proud that Australian politics hadn't disintegrated to that effect and we had a lot more, we felt like we had more control of our democracy at the time. And it really upset me to see a party which gets 4% of a vote in a double dissolution. So in, a norm- so in the next election, they will probably only get one person, if any, in the government at all. But after the last election, they are in Parliament, sorry, but after the last election, because it was double dissolution and, and that means the whole Senate is up, they managed to get so many people in. But, I mean, they started with four and they're down to two. So, <laughs> you know, self-destruction is kicking in. But it made me really upset to see these, these photos go and the video go global and to think that people would look at us and think that these... You know, 1% of Australians feel this way and yet somehow all Australia has been painted as this, as this group, yeah. Did she actually give you or give the press a legitimate reason why or was she just, like, auditioning for Chris Lilly's new show? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was, it was based off a very famous court case that was happening in New South Wales at the time where a woman who was wearing a burqa was pulled over by the police and uh, they asked to see her ID... And they asked, and they, the, the police said that they couldn't verify her identity because they couldn't see her face because of the burqa she was wearing, and she refused to remove it. And then, you know, they used... But, you know, it's, it doesn't extend to just burqas. It's also helmets. Uh, and so they argue if you wore a, a bike helmet or one of the bigger motorcycle helmets into a bank and refused to take that off, they have a problem with that too. Does so, you know, Muslims and cyclists and motorbike riders. Same yeah. thing. Does Pauline Hanson have BDE? Question. 
No. No, oh, I don't on. think so. It's, it's funny because if you... I have a theory that um, she always sounds like she's crying when she talks. Um, she's quite... She, she doesn't look like she dyes her hair and I think... Um, but <laughs> she, she's quite old and so if you actually pay... I mean, she can't finish a sentence because she is kind of a rambling grandmother. And she always sounds like she's crying. Honestly, if you ever have the unfortunate circumstance of having to listen to her, just keep that in mind. Uh, well, actually, this audience will now have the unfortunate oh, no. circumstance to listen to her. Uh, she, she's actually got a really... I, think you, you, I, think, I don't think you give her enough credit. She's got a really good handle on what things mean, like flip-flopping. Here's an example. One Nation will not be supporting company tax cuts. So I haven't flip-flopped. I said... No, originally. Then I said yes. Then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. <laughs> there we go. Well, it's so amazing because she literally lost a senator after she literally backed out of a deal with the government over company tax cuts. So, I mean, my bigger pet peeve is when people say that someone's U-turned in politics because when you U-turn or you backflip, you end up facing the same way and that really annoys me. <laughs> so flip-flop I'm okay with because she is kind of like a wibble-wobble, like a dead goldfish about to die. You know? She's the she's, last gasp for air. She's like Not one of those it. egg dolls that's heavy at the bottom and you push it over and it just <laughs> bounces back up. Or one of those um, balloons that the car salesmen go like... <laughs> This is Irrational Fear, the podcast of flip-flopping wibble-wobblers. <laughs> Alice Brennan. Hello. I need my prop. I need my prop. I'm so glad okay. you brought a prop. To I know, I brought two props, actually. I'm so glad you brought a prop to a podcast. <laughs> Dan, that is exactly what I just said. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you say to a podcast? Uh, yes. Oh, I missed it. No. And you'll have the I opportunity have to describe it. Talked well. over me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So uh, I cho- I'm choosing to speak a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this later. <laughs> I'm gonna come out really good. <laughs> Do you want to talk about gollywogs? Yes. <laughs> right. Yay! So I have chosen to talk about dolls as uh, my fear because I think Australia has a doll problem. America has a gun problem. Australia has a doll problem. So everybody meet... I used to call him Freddie Gray. Now it's Trayvon Martin. Hello. <laughs> oh! Mm, can you hold him for me? It's a, he and she. That Al- Alice, Brennan, the, Alice Brennan has brought in a gollywog. Yeah, That's for the podcast listeners, that is a gollywog. So, <laughs> touch it, Alice. <laughs> so, you see, I returned to Australia from living in America for nearly 10 years. And the reason I returned was because I have a black husband. And consequently, I have a black child as well. He's one and a half years old and his name is Miles and he's gorgeous. And the main reason I came home, aside from the awesome coffee, is that I was... Shit scared. I was scared. I was scared of guns. I was scared of men with guns. I was scared of men who are cops with guns and men who love Trump who are cops with guns. (laughs) And once Trump was elected, um, in many ways, uh, especially in the South where we lived, things changed. All of a sudden, the masks came off and, um, you know, we talk about civility and politeness that went out the window. Um, Shannon, my husband, uh, likes to... He says that it was a relief in many ways. He says that 
At least now you know who hates you when you walk in the room. Before you had no idea. Under Obama, lots of people kept it hidden and, and now it's out. And I guess that's true. It's that kind of phrase that your mum used to say, it's better out than in, isn't it? <laughs> I think racism's like farts, really. Like, keep it under the covers. It's better. Don't Dutch oven me with your fucking prejudice. Anyway... Sorry, so, sorry, sorry for all the Dutch people in the audience. That's yeah. Incredibly <laughs> racist. Slightly racist, right? So um, 501 people have already been shot this year by police in America. That's 27 more than this time last year um, when the total was 987. Most of them were black. 86 people were shot by cops over a two-year period for brandishing objects that looked like weapons. They weren't even weapons. They could be an orange, a banana, a fake gun, whatever. So I didn't want that future for my son, so I decided to come back to Australia. Yay! No racism here. <laughs> exactly. Our little multiracial United Colours of Benetton family arrived on these sh shores. We are girt by sea, just like you, Dan. And if anyone ever asks, especially Miles and the Senate estimates, um, the reason we came back is because the animals here are fucking cool, as opposed to the United States. So here we are. We decided to go on a road trip to Wagga, where my family lives. And every time I go back to Wagga, I go to Vinnie's and I walk in and I check out the Suzanne Gray florals, I check out the tweed, I check out the earrings, you know. And we walk in, I've got Miles in my arm, Shannon's bored out of his mind, as per usual, in Vinnie's, because he doesn't like thrift stores very much. And I turn around and my heart stops. It's a gollywog. It's not just one gollywog, it is a shelf wow. of gollywogs. And as an aside here, there's one thing that white middle-aged women do really well, and that is outrage. We do it very, very well. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe you just stepped on my yoga mat. <laughs> did somebody move the cheese? So I did my outrage thing. I'm a very good representative of that demographic. Shannon thinks it's pretty funny because he's like, you haven't seen outrage. <laughs> So I turn around and I'm like, Shannon, did you see that? Gollywogs, they've got gollywogs. And he's like, aren't you appalled? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. And, and I'm like, this is so racist, Shannon. Nothing. <laughs> Shannon, say something. <laughs> so I turn on my heel, I grab one of the gollywogs off the shelf and I go up to the... the the little old lady and I take my $1.75 and I'm like, I am buying this gollywog because I do not want it on your shelves anymore. You are so racist. This is appalling. Didn't you have like 20 bucks to buy them all? I should have, right? No, actually. You don't walk into a Vinnie's with 20 bucks, Dan. You want I'm outraged on a budget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is economically outrageous. So, and I, I'm like at this stage fuming, Shannon, still silent. And she's like, well, dear, that's your choice to be outraged for us. They're very nostalgic. I loved these things growing up. And, the, and you shouldn't feel bad. And I am fuming. I am so angry on behalf of my child who has to grow into this, to walk into rooms and to feel this and, and to work extra hard to overcome it. I am as mad as a white woman who has just had her yoga mat stepped on. <laughs> 
I slam down the $1.50 and I snatch the gollywog and I storm out of the shop with miles on my hip. Shannon is still silent. <laughs> we get in the car and I strap the gollywog in. I'm like, babe, aren't you mad? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, why are you mad? And he's like, it's boring. It's so exhausting being upset about this stuff. I'll save my energy for when a cop has a gun pointed at my head. So as we drive back home, we drive through Goulburn and there's another wall of gollywogs in the newsagent there. And since then I've seen gollywogs in market stalls, in craft shops, in other newsagents, and it makes me really, really sad. My child is my forced empathy for something that my husband has lived with his entire life. And it's a momentary window for me as a white middle-class woman into how it feels for him. And the rage that I feel at the sight of these dolls is the rage that he's had to learn to control and to swallow and to silence. Because the alternative is just too exhausting. So this is the rage that I long to shield my son from. And that is why Australia has to fix its doll problem. Yeah. That was Brennan. Yeah. Who wants that? Who wants the golly one? Are you giving it away? I'm giving away this golly one. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Maybe we can run some sort of sweepstake. Uh, so... How do we how do we make how do we kind of change the culture of of the people that love gollywogs in Australia to let them know that it's no longer okay? They've got to be close to death, don't they? <laughs> like it's a it's, generational thing, it's right? It's the nation's grandmas, and I'm not saying we should kill the grandmas. I'm just saying they're almost doing it to themselves. Like we, <laughs> we no, when, the thing is, the gollywog is a caricature of a caricature. That's where it came yeah. from. It was a, an American woman going, I'm going to draw a caricature of the mammy dolls. Like, it's not even... Your biggest problem is it's derivative. <laughs> right. <laughs> Major issue there for the gollywogs. It's, it's interesting in Australia because like, none, no people, people don't realise that we actually had minstrel troops in Australia that travelled around, particularly in regional areas, and we tend to kind of think, oh, that's not an Australian culture, that's an American culture. They, those groups... Existed. It's so fascinating that gollywogs still exist today in shops right now. In Wagga Wagga. In Wagga Wagga. And Goulburn. And Newcastle. And Wyong. Uh, so how do we tell these people that collect these things, like, what they represent? Like do they Jeff even Kennett? care? Jeff Kennett has a whole collection. Does he really? Mm. Does he? Jeff Kennett. Yeah, right. Big proponent Did of it, the gollywogs. He, he the head them. of Beyond Blue? Yeah. He still that is. That makes me depressed. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, get ready to be more depressed. Um, if anyone's got a script handy, uh, uh, if you, I can get you to play these characters. So I, knowing that this was going to happen tonight, I quickly Googled Gollywogs and I found a signature uh, from change.org to preserve the Arnott's Gollywogs biscuits. Oh, uh, aren't fuck. they called Scallywags now? Yeah, they are called Scallywags, but I they're all gone. They're all gone now. Oh, thank God. Um, and this signature was closed and it had 156 signatures, oh. which I think is actually more supporters than Pauline Hanson. Um, <laughs> is that 1%? Yeah, that's right. So if we go down the road, go down the road one, one at a time, if I'll get you to read out... Uh, each, each pick one and just read one out. Go, sure. Lewis. Hello, I'm Anna Rossow. Oh, hang on, let me... I'll, I'll introduce the name. So this is Please. Anna Rossow from three years ago. Love these biscuits. There is nothing offensive about the name. Golly, wog. 
Nothing offensive about it at all. Danielle Burke from three years ago. It would be a shame not to have the availability to purchase, spelled with an S, such a well-known Aussie no capital biscuit. <laughs> Lauren McCaig from three years ago. I don't want my daughter to be deprived of these cute, tasty biscuits. P.S. I think they should be gollywogs. Scallywags is silly. That's her problem. <laughs> Betty Zemek from three years ago. My cheesecakes are not the same without these biscuits. <laughs> Rebecca Reed, also from three years ago. They are the only biscuit to make my nana's choc Bavarian cake. Your nana was a Nazi. That's... <laughs> Cindy Agius from three years ago. I miss dunking them. <laughs> I'll tell you what, who doesn't miss being dunked at all? <laughs> Sam Jones. Now, I have to say, Sam Jones has a point here. You can't make gollywog cake without gollywog biscuits. He's got a point. Absolutely. He's got a point. And... And finally... I miss them when I was a wee lad. That was written by usernamed regurgitated vomit. Uh, so... <laughs> There we go. Two years ago. Two years ago. He, he got in early, got in late. This is a rational fear, less irritating than stamp duty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Alice Fraser. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, I've been in the UK recently, uh, and you probably know what the news situation is over there. Uh, it's all Brexit, Daily Mail and World Cup football, or, or balls, 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 as I like to call it. <laughs> and, you know, we know the politics over in the US, it's all about partisan politics, identity, and whether it's okay to put babies in kennels as a way of youthfully experimenting with fascist extremism to see if it suits you. Secret tip, it doesn't. <laughs> It's a bad look and a little premature. You're meant to save the baby cages for slightly further down the timeline towards full social breakdown. Give it a year. <laughs> Give it a year. Uh, the point is we all know the news in America and the UK. We all know the political news. We argue about it with the intense fervour of urgent fear. Uh, you know, two-bit country Queensland neo-Nazis tell me on Twitter that Trump's going to come for my smug liberal bubble any minute now. But... Here's the thing, while we're talking about politics and arguing about politics like it's our bread and butter, uh, there is something that is actually under threat, and it is our bread and, and butter. Uh, <laughs> did you know, and this is like massive news, it's been going on for about a year now, did you know that Monsanto has merged with Bayer? Yeah, right? I mean, you'd think that would be Whole Foods has merged with Amazon, Disney's merged with Fox. I mean, that is not wildly personal news for you unless you ever plan on using food, drugs, beauty products or entertainment in the next 40 years. <laughs> How is this not the biggest news going around? Uh, apart from anything else, the CEOs of Bayer and Monsanto are called Werner Baumann and Hugh Grant. <laughs> really? Sounds like the action movie come romantic comedy we've all been waiting to see. <laughs> They're saying this merger is great news uh, for the future of humanity. They're saying by the time 2050 rolls around, the world will have 10 billion people and the demand for food will double. The whole point here is that the merger will allow the companies to innovate. It's going to take a huge amount of innovation in order to double the, foods, the world's food supply. Um, and, it's, and it's important that they do that and also own it. I mean, on the other hand, uh, the farmer's business network suggests that, you know, this kind of market share is only a little bit correlated with a higher yield or innovation, but is very correlated with higher prices. 
which is troubling to me. On the uh, you know, our, uh, environmentalists are actually coming up in arms about this. They uh, they protested outside uh, the Bayer uh, meeting this year. The, um, the it was about 200 of them, which is uh, maybe not as many as you would want. Uh, they feel like it would give too much power to the world's leading manufacturers of both genetically modified crops and the con controversial weed killer glyphosate. It's like if Batman were the Joker. Or, or Rob Schreider was the shark in Jaws. Or the alien in Aliens was actually a weird metaphor for a vagina. Um, yeah, I, uh, I wrote this on the bus. Uh, my book ran out of batteries. Um, 200 people protesting is not that many people to be against handling, handing over control of the vast majority of our food and drug supplies to a single, non-accountable corporate entity. They got more pushback when they changed the recipe for Nutella. <laughs> I mean, the recipe for Nutella is important, but not as, quite as important as all of the other food in the world. Um, it's also a relevant example, because, by the way, uh, Nutella is owned by Nestle's confectionery branch, which has recently been bought up by Ferrero. Um, <laughs> Interesting Ferrero fact, the company produces the same number of Tic Tac pills in four years as stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Which is either great or terrifying. <laughs> this is incredibly worrying and nobody is talking about it. I mean, we need food and crops and medicine. We haven't even talked about medicine yet. Bauer owns aspirin. It trademarked the name heroin for the drug. It makes veterinary drugs, diagnostic imaging, general and specialty medicines, women's health products, over-the-counter drugs, diabetes care, pesticides, vegetable seeds, plant biotechnology, among a range of other products that probably aren't that important because their website is very vague about them, which is a reassuring sign. <laughs> I mean, you want, more, you want more information than that. It's like when someone asks you out on a date and their relationship status on Facebook is, it's complicated. There are literally thousands of different potential targets for drugs, tons of diseases, disorders, symptoms that have poor or no treatment options. And instead of having lots of different major pharmaceutical companies working on a variety of different projects, all trying their little bit to solve the world's problems or, you know, make a profit, massive mergers are going to take advantage of their big firepower and monopolistic grasp of innovation to point heaps of resources in the same direction, which is great for solutions that require a massive cannon, but less good when you need, for example, more than one solution or possibly, hypothetically, quite a lot of different solutions to all the world's problems. On one hand, capitalism is the best system we have. Uh, it's the best system we've figured out so far for turning human insecurity into food and shelter. <laughs> and this massive joining of two legal fictions come people come bigger than nation states but more amorphous and therefore less accountable doesn't drive competition as, mu as much as it Thelma and Louisa's competition off a cliff. <laughs> Sure, yeah, there was a lot of great driving for a while, but you can't just keep driving. <laughs> the whole point of anything can't just be driving, except obviously the Fast and the Furious movie franchise. <laughs> but even there, it's driving and family. <laughs> and also, probably biceps. Thank you very much. Alice Fraser! We're going lower than Bitcoin would ever dare to go. You're listening to Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear. Lewis Hobber. Yeah. 
I like how Lewis doesn't make the mic taller, he makes the stage shorter. <laughs> God damn, sorry. I, um, yeah, I can't stand on that thing, it'll be crazy. Um, can you all see me at the back? <laughs> it's a joke, I'm very tall. It's a, it's a good visual gag for the podcast. There's actually going to be a lot of those, so if you're listening at home, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. The biggest event on the planet is happening right now. The World Cup of football. Around half the world's population will watch it. But our Socceroos have been knocked out. And thank God! Because now we can fully focus on the other global event happening this weekend. The TV Week Logie Awards. Yes, good woo! On other continents, young boys and girls will huddle around TVs to watch Messi, Ronaldo, Iniesta and dream that they one day too may hold the golden cup aloft. And here in Australia, kids will huddle around the 79-inch flat screen and say, Mama, Papa, when I grow up, can I be on the project? Can I sit next to Steve Price, Mama? He's ever so racist. Sure, it's easy to make fun of the Logies, and that's why I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm a hack who grabs at low-hanging fruit. The height makes it easy. And then I hold it in front of Grant Tenure and I make him jump for it. Jump for it, Grant. It used to be that the Logies were vapid. They would glorify dumb and vacuous television and never acknowledge anything cool. But that's all changed now, because no one watches TV. So you can safely say that every show nominated for a Logie is a cult favourite. <laughs> One guy nominated for the Gold Logie this year is on a show called Love It or List It. The most recent episode of that show had 46,000 viewers. 46,000 viewers. That's the ratings of my mum's Instagram stories. <laughs> Check her out. Your mum's really hot. I mean, yeah. Margaret, the thirst traps are weird, but her unboxing videos are good. <laughs> Personally, I actually think it's good to see the Logies getting behind the little guy. And I don't just mean Grant Denyer. <laughs> I mean the underground battlers with no viewers, like a current affair. I mean, they've been talking about battlers for so long, they should just do an episode on themselves. <laughs> The World Cup might be big, but in Australia, no one could even see it for the first week. Uh, at least viewers know they will definitely be able to watch the Logies. They won't, but they could if they wanted. <laughs> but then eventually, after Optus shat the bed and finally let SBS screen the games, people got angry that the host from SBS was pronouncing foreigners' names correctly. Lucy Zelich, host of the World Game and the only person in the country able to cope with Craig Foster, was... <laughs> he's hot, but he's... <laughs> Shut up, Craig. <laughs> Lucy Zelich was dragged for being multilingual by internet commenters who are barely single-lingual. <laughs> I mean, if, if Lucy Zelich lo hosted the Logies, she would have given the gold Logie to Karl Stefanovic. <laughs> 
which is a bit real for my friend Dan Illich. When I met him, he was still pretending to be white. I decolonized. <laughs> but the Logies have had a huge shake-up this year. For the first time ever, television's Night of Nights will be held in Australia's shithole of shitholes, the Gold Coast. The Gold... <laughs> the World Cup is being held in Russia, where the government kills people. The Logies will be held in the Gold Coast, where Dreamworld kills people. Too soon. Two years? Too soon? We can cut it. Of course, it always used to be in Melbourne, where it was in a very cool back alley, and there were plenty of milk crates for Grant Denyer to stand on so he could look normal-sized people in the eye. But now it'll be in the Gold Coast, where everyone will be so busy just bending over and vomiting from the passion pop that we'll actually still be back down to Grant Denyer's level, which is nice, I think. Grant Denyer has big dick energy. <laughs> Not true! That is Not a good true. call. That is actually a good call. And when he's had enough ice, he can go all night. Allegedly. Because of the move to the Gold Coast, a lot of stars are boycotting the Logies, including our own Koshi. Apparently, the cost is too great to fly him and the team to the Gold Coast for the big event. You know the drought has really hit when Koshi can't even milk the cash cow. But Carl, Georgie and the gang will still be going, so if you're a groupie hanging around the casino on Sunday night, you might still be able to wake up with someone from today. <laughs> TV Week are actually so desperate for people to go to the Gold Coast that they are genuinely offering a celebrity assistance package, not a joke. Major networks were offered $1,000 for each star that promised to go. And I do think that should actually be the Gold Coast tourism slogan. Come on! Visit us! We'll give you a grand! Eddie Maguire said, of course, we should bring the Logies home to Melbourne. And while we're at it, he said, why not add an award for most biased football commentary and most racist slip of the tongue? <laughs> but we need to get real, guys. Let's be honest. The Logies will never be coming home to Melbourne because the Gold Coast is where everything goes to die. The Gold Coast United Soccer Club, RIP. The Gold Coast Bears footy team, RIP. All those retirees, RIP. Based on the Gold Coast history, this will probably be the last Logie Awards. Is that Grant Denyer? No, actually, genuinely, I, I hope Grant Denyer makes the most of it. And when it's all over, he can visit Dreamworld, where for the first time, he'll actually be grateful he isn't tall enough for the rides. Oh. Oh. Lewis Hummer! Um, do you want a Grant Denyer fact? Yeah, we'd, I would love a Grant Denyer fact. He's been nominated for a Logie 22 times and never won. No way! Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that, yeah. that must be worse than Andrew Denton. <laughs> How many times has he been nominated? He always goes on about it. I don't know, but they're both the same size as a Logie. <laughs> BDE, though. But if you think, BDE. BDE. Yeah, where Bondi Rescue, I think, I heard today has won three or four Logies, but uh, Glenn Robbins, none. So, Glenn Robbins has yeah. a Logie? Oh, my God, that's a travesty. Brandon is the Leonardo DiCaprio of the Logies. <laughs> <laughs> you see him being mauled by a bear in order to claw back some... 
Television ratings. That is, I would fucking watch that show for sure. It was just like Man vs. Wild every week, Grant Denyer versus a new animal. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, a thousand times yes. <laughs> would you battle a uh, hundred Grant Denyer sized horses? <laughs> or oh, one horse sized Grant Denyer? I think even a horse-sized Grand Denier would be like a petting zoo. A little pony, yeah. Hey, um, uh, I thought we'd take this opportunity in the last five minutes of the show, do a quick wrap-up and maybe a bit, of a bit of a preview for Super Saturday Elections, since we do have Alice Workman here. Uh, so Super Saturday Elections coming up at the end of next month uh, with five seats, Longman in Queensland, Braddon in Tasmania, Mayo in South Australia and Philadelphia Cream Cheese in Victoria. Uh, <laughs> me, I'm a Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what should we care about this Super Saturday election? What, is the, what are the main talking points we should be really focused on when heading into Super Saturday? Uh, there are five uh, by-elections happening, uh, but only two of them are the Labor Party versus the Coalition, and that is um, Longman, in, uh, which is just outside of Brisbane in Queensland, and Braddon, uh, which is in the northeast of Tasmania. Uh, so, so they're the only ones they're going head-to-head on, so they're the big two. And are they close? Is it, is it significantly dangerous for Labor, I assume? Uh, it is because uh, they just put out a poll for Longman, uh, which, uh, if you might remember, is White Roy's old seat. Uh, and uh, the dual citizen uh, who took it from him is now up for re-election, Susan Lamb. Uh, she, uh, she just got it. They, they were just polled that came out that said that the government is ahead 51-49, but that's still pretty close. Braddon, I find the more interesting seat. Uh, it was held for a very long time by a uh, white man, a liberal white man who looks like Mr Monopoly, um, <laughs> uh, whose name is Brett Whiteley, not related to the artist, uh, and he lost the seat at the last election. The Labor Party put in a pretty progressive woman um, who turned out to be a dual citizen, a British dual citizen, uh, and um, the Liberal Party thought, oh, we've got this by-election coming up. Let's find the best candidate that we can run against this woman who should it be the same guy we had last time? So, you know, there's a lot of choice happening in Tasmania. Celebrity candidate, Brent Whiteley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like rural northwest Tasmania. That's a pretty small kind of populace. It is. It is. It's, where Jack, it's Jackie Lambie territory. So Bernie is in, is in the, uh, the... Jackie Lambie's not running, unfortunately. Uh, she's a real tragedy. She's too busy um, using uh, Sunday night to set her up with a man. <laughs> Interesting choice. I mean, maybe Barnaby will be available soon. She can give him a number. Um, oh! uh, but she might win a Logie for it, though. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I mean, I, you know, I would watch First Dates if Jackie Lambie was on it. Like, let's exactly. Honest. Like, that would be some good the shit. The Bachelorette? Yeah. Jackie, Jackie Lambie? Fuck yeah. 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 And, fuck I mean, this yeah. is the woman that is currently being sued by a former employee because she made them uh, shop in a sex shop with her and allegedly talked about sex all the time, every day. <laughs> Jackie Lambie. BDE. <laughs> 100%. I think it's a sign that feminism is succeeding, right? For so many years, women have had to get to any level, had to be 30% better than any other guy at the level. The rise of mediocre women is a sign that, that equality is happening. Yes. Defend their mediocrity. It's like Ocean's 8. <laughs> When we're talking about Longman and Braddon, yeah. are they similar territories uh, in terms of what people care about in those two electorates? Well, I mean, the, 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 
Exit polling says that the number one thing that people really care about are hospitals and education, but no one ever campaigns on that. We're not going to see another Medi-Scare. Matthias Coleman, who's the finance minister, said today that these are going to be by-elections, uh, a referendum on tax cuts, company tax cuts. Because I know when I go to vote, I think, hmm, should the banks get more money or should they get less? Hmm. <laughs> Um, which is just nonsense. Uh, One Nation might make a play up in Queensland, but I really think that everyone's overblowing how much One Nation have any play in any of these elections. Um, the... It seems like they don't have any play anymore at all. Well, like you Democrats. couldn't tell that by the media coverage they get. <laughs> it's just so it's good. It's just good talent. So one of my biggest talent. pet peeves is that um, the Greens uh, get a national vote of, uh, if they're lucky, 12%. One Nation gets about four. And yet they are treated as if they are the equivalent of the other major parties, which poll, you know, 40 50%. Get some actual voters, and then I think the media should give you some more media coverage. Like I think the major parties should get crazier people. Because that's just good TV, you know? If you You've got a media manager. Who the fuck isn't telling you to get a crazy person out there? Surely Longman would do with Grant Denyer. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Vote one, Grant, I'm in! Uh, Alice. Yeah, yes. See, for a long time I've been wondering why so much of the Australian population, indeed the world population, does not pay attention to Australian politics. And I've just realised it's... You're hoarding it all? <laughs> You know everything about Australian politics, so no one else has to. This is, this is absolutely true. On, on, on the show that I produced called Tonightly, we did a sketch last week where we called up about 30 different people in media and, and comedy and asked them if they knew who the shadow minister for immigration was. And Tom Ballard gave me the list of 30 people, and on it was Alice, and I said, the only person that's going to get this is Alice Workman. And out of all those 30 people, Alice Workman got it! Anthony Green from the ABC did did not get it. it. I saw that. Does anyone know who it is? The shadow immigration spokesperson? Shane Shane Newman, Newman. well done. That's only because you watch Nightly. Do you work with Shane Newman? (laughs) (laughs) I have a question about Can I tell you, Labor were really upset about that. Awesome. I actually actually have a text. Do you want to read the secret text I got? Yes. We're going to have to cut a bunch... You're going to cut all my Dreamworld jokes, right, from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of shit that doesn't make the... No, I'm leaving how horrible... And then horrible... you used it as the callback at the end. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so you're either going to sh- look insensitive or incompetent. Those are your choices. I am uh, so used to looking incompetent. <laughs> so the sketch was um, no, one who, no one knew who Shane Newman was because Labor have been kind of burying immigration because they don't have a, pro- a proper policy on immigration, what to do with offshore detention. And so my, my insider said, this is hilarious because I'm almost certain that Shane would have sent this to Bill as evidence of what a stellar job he's doing. <laughs> oh and then God. I said, that's hilarious and sad as fuck. And he said, yeah, the alternative strategy would be to give the portfolio to Dreyfus and give him a remit to actually take a position and prosecute it. But honestly, I think... Uh, that would reduce their chances of re-election by at least 10 to 20 percent. Wow. What actually have a policy would reduce their chances. Yeah, oh yeah actually, have, actually take a position. They should give that advice to Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we go, we've got some fearsome fears for you. Here's what you should be scared of next month. Blair Cottrell will have a brain aneurysm after winning tickets to go see Cirque du Soleil. Optus will announce it has officially won the online video streaming rights to the 2020 Statue Buskers World Cup. <laughs> and Kmart has announced they're no longer selling DVDs, so I guess that means my parents are going to get those $7 toasters for Christmas. <laughs> 
please thank our fear mongers for tonight. Alice Workman, Alice Brennan, Alice Fraser, Lewis Hubber, DJ Diabolical Index. My name is Dan Illich, and until next month, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. And I should, I should mention, I forgot to mention the Alice in the room. Three Alices on a panel together. How awesome is that? We've got another show at the end of next month, so the last Friday of, of every month we have shows. On that show, we have me. Lewis, are you going to do it? When is it? Last Friday of the month. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Look, Dill, Dill will be We're there. Very but we've also got Jan Fran from SBS, Jeanette Francis, she's going to be doing it. And Instagram sensation Struthless will be on as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be He's great. Awesome. Anyway, great. See you next month. Hey, also, thank you so much for coming out. Give a huge round of applause to yourselves on Friday night. Fuck yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank, yeah. you, so thank you very much, guys. 